welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode, I'm joined by Jessica Pidsley from Full Time Human. She calls herself a divine priestess, which I love. I want to be a divine priestess too. We talk all about living in the now, getting inspiration, following your gut, and also, you know, the effect that your past and past relationships can have on your present relationships and therapy and counselling and doing work on yourself, which is so important. I've known Jessica for a while. I follow her on Instagram and she's just a joy to talk to. So I really hope you enjoy this one. I am joined by Jessica Pidsley, courage coach and 21st century priestess. Hello. Hello. Yeah. So good to be with you. You're rolling your shoulders. I like it. The excitement. Of course. I mean, it just feels like that kind of a that kind of an event. Welcome to the divorce social. Thank you. I uh, must admit, when I said to my husband, "I'm going on the divorce social," he was like, um, "Of all the ways to let me know." <laughs> This has got to be the most heartless. Yeah, we've never let anyone know about a divorce via the podcast before, but there's always a first. Next episode, maybe. (laughs) So how does it feel, me welcoming you to the divorce social? Well, it feels very, very intriguing because divorce has been a big part of my life because I come from a family where there was divorce. And also I've had to navigate my life through that being my model of relationships and then work out how I relate to marriage and, you know, separation and divorce throughout my whole adult life. So 
I have never actually been divorced myself, so I'm intrigued by what's drawn you to us having this conversation and also what might actually occur during it. You have had a relationship that you came out of Mm. that you mentioned to me before, and I thought that would be an interesting discussion as you're now happily married, I believe. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a daily decision, right? I'm happily married today. (laughs) Who knows for the rest of it? And that's a big part of what we've signed up to is is not um, forever and ever, you know, till death without any kind of conversation. Going back then to coming from a family Mm. that has experience of divorce... How do you think that affected you when you were younger and you were going through that divorce experience? Yeah. So, I mean, I was 15 when my like nuclear family started to disintegrate. Well, when I was conscious of the disintegration, because clearly it had been happening for quite some time before then. And I think it was just trying to make sense of something that had been really created to be so stable and so regular. And as that started to disintegrate, I think it was, you know, quite confusing, but also liberating, but not necessarily at the time, more looking back at it. But what that has meant moving into my own adult life and into my own relationships is that consciousness has been a really big part of all my relationships that I've gone into. I've really only had two significant relationships in my life and both of them have been marked by a lot of communication and a real consciousness around what's happening within the relationship and making sure that there's not betrayal actually that's been a really big part of it for me making sure that there's clear communication about what's going on and is that making sure there's not betrayal because you had experience of betrayal before yeah that was essentially what happened is my dad was having relationships outside of the marriage, which was not agreed as far as I can make out. So a couple of days after Christmas, he dropped me off at a friend's house after we'd spent a day together and then went home and told my sister and my mum that he was leaving. And that was the first I knew of it. I came home and I was like making a joke to my mum, been like, oh, down the pub, have you? Been down the pub, have you? Having a gin. And she was like, yeah, I have tonight. And it just was like, I felt like the world, you know, in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, where the lights go like, do, do, do. I felt this moment of like everything kind of going into a strange time. And she was like, come and sit down with me. And I was like, hang, hang about. And she just said, dad's, dad's leaving us. And it was just, I'd never been so present. It was like suddenly life was happening rather than just going through the motions And so that was the beginning of it. And because I grew up in a hotel, we had to live all together with the person that my dad was having a relationship with. My mum and me and my sister, uh, being teenagers, all had to live along and work alongside each other for about a year and a half while the hotel was sold. Wow. Pressure cooker. So not just living together, but like working to run a hotel. Yeah. My mum was like, well, I just have to keep going in I mean now in my adult years I'm like well, you you didn't have to keep going in but the all she could do was just like just keep showing up and turning up and doing it but obviously like the person that my dad was having a relationship with was there working as well it was really messy it was really messy <laughs> <laughs> wow you say that you've never been more present than in that moment that your mum said your dad is leaving us even though he didn't actually leave then for a year, he like moved in with his girlfriend. 
or his partner. Yeah, it was kind of like, oh, my intention is to not be with you because then we had to sort out all the stuff. But it's interesting you said you've never been more present because I can definitely relate to that of those moments that hit you. Because there's this 21st century thing, isn't there, of like, oh, we need to be more present and in the moment. And it can, you know, get a bit wanky on social media and like, I'm going to do yoga and like meditate to be in the moment, but I'm going to do it for show, <laughs> not actually for myself. And and being in the moment is like important and everyone talks about it. But in those horrible moments, you probably don't want to be in the moment, but you are. Why do you think... Mm. we get that feeling. I think um, a lot of the time we live very much in our heads in the future or in the past. And I think when reality really comes right to us, when reality hits us, it's normally almost like a feeling of from behind. It's like it's where where everything collides in one very embodied moment. I think that's, for me, what presence is, is being embodied. When you receive news like that, there's almost a real sense of where you stand receiving it. And to me, it's about an embodied experience, like your emotions, your body, your breath, everything colliding in a moment where you know everything's changed. And that the future that you thought suddenly will never be the same, yeah. which is actually the truth of how life always is. But we convince ourselves it's not. So I think why those moments are so powerful is because we actually taste reality, how it always is. <laughs> Ooh, you just suddenly went really like, Whoa. I don't know, but it's, it's interesting the way you remember it as well. Like you were saying, like the who wants to be a millionaire lights come down. It's almost quite like dramatised for the intensity of the moment in your memory. Mm. Do you think those memories stay with us in a positive or negative way? And do we change the memories slightly or, or put a filter on them as we get older? I definitely think memory, like all things, is completely transient. I mean, the fact that I can talk about it the way I am is because of the amount of depth of work and play I've done around this stuff. I think that memories can really intoxicate a person's present and, you know, depending on the feelings related to it and how you how you feel about it. But I absolutely know from direct experience that memories can shift and how you feel about something can shift. And I think that's why there's a lightness to it now, just because I've done so much work around all this stuff over the last 20 years, you know. And really, people think that memories is just the past, but it's actually the past in the present. You know, oh, why am I getting bothered about that? It was so long ago. It's like, but it's not. It's right there with you. And that's where people, where I do a lot of work with people courageously being with the stuff that time-wise feels like so long ago, but actually, you know, is as real to them and present to them as sitting here right now. I love that you said memories are transient because initially I was like, no, they're not. They're just your memory. But then I've had experience where, especially in something like, you know, marriage and divorce or separation, you have a memory of a moment in that relationship. And it can really mean one thing. You know, you might remember it as that's the moment everything started going wrong or whatever it is. And actually, sometimes looking behind that memory or even finding out more about that memory, say, from the other person at a later date, can really change your view on it and change the way you look at it in a series of memories. So 
I think that's a really interesting point, especially for anyone going through, you know, hard times right now in the midst of a breakup. As a coach, how do you help people change that narrative, I guess? Well, a lot of people come to work with me or play with me at the time when they suspect or they know that they've gone round the loop of blame or resentment or difficulty or frustration over and over and over again. And they're normally at a point where they just suspect that that is now holding them back from their next phase of business or life or joy or relationship or whatever it is. And there's a process to it. You know, it's absolutely fine to live in that and to be in that. And people come to me at the point where they go, I'm just tired of that loop. I don't want to keep going around that. I suspect that I'm here for so many wonderful things. And I know that my freedom and liberation is bound up in these memories and this playing out and this narrativizing of who I am, who they are, you know, and it can be any relationships, past romantic relationships, parental relationships, uh, sibling relationships, friends, anything, because those live in us. And the idea that just a physical separation can do all of the work is just one part of the beautiful recipe, if you like, for freedom within yourself. And another one is why I'm a courage coach is because it's the work of the heart and core is is heart. And so it's about bravely going into the heart and being willing to look at all of those stories and narratives about yourself and others, really so that you can use all that energy that's held in resentment or blame or frustration and go, ah, I want it back. So ultimately, in a weird sort of way, it's the ultimate marrying yourself and the ultimate divorce because you are actually finally saying, I want all that energy back to me now that was in the relationship or whatever it was. Funny you say that. Last night, I was literally, I was lying in bed thinking, I feel like I'm married to myself. Yes, baby. Yeah, like in a positive way. (laughs) Well, me and my husband, actually, my beloved Matt, we actually, at one stage, he went through, after I'd had uh, my spiritual emergency, and I appreciate that that's the first time we've mentioned that. And after I sort of really started to be able to walk in, the world a little bit more what you would call normally. My husband, Matt, went through a huge anxiety, depression, all of this stuff coming up that had been with him for years. But there came a point in that process, I think about three or four years into him having a really, really difficult time where I'd gone to my stay at my mum's for a couple of days just to give him some space and me some space because it was just so difficult. We had like a, I think a one, maybe two children by then, definitely one. And I remember texting him in the night and we were having a conversation and I just said, I think we need to marry your anxiety. Like, I think you need to marry that part of yourself and understand that it's not going anywhere and it's a part of you and that it's welcome here. And so I said, look, I'll take you. We'll go and do a stag do. So I booked us to go to Blackpool and I booked us into a B&B. We went and what? did a stag did do. did a stag do for his... Yeah. Great. Yeah, to marry himself. Yeah. We went to Blackpool. We did a stag do. That was the night before. We went and watched Funny Girls. Then the next day, I we had corsages. We got all dressed up as if we were getting married. We'd written a whole ceremony and we went to the beachfront and we did a ceremony with music and everything. And he got his semicolon tattoo and I did a marriage ceremony for him with him. And essentially things really shifted from that point. So 
did you have guests? No, but lots of people from the beach were like, oh, it's a wedding, let's take photos. And then as we were walking around, people were like, oh my goodness, you've just got married. Because we looked like yeah. we had, they were like, what's been going on? And we were like, we just renewed our vows. Because that felt so much easier than saying, we've just married his anxiety. <laughs> I would have loved to see you explain that to every single person. <laughs> Couldn't you imagine just people like totally getting behind that? But the lovely thing was, is when we said we've renewed our vows, the response was as wonderful and affirming as if to what we actually had done. But so obviously some people will listen to that and think <laughs> you're looping. Nuts. Yeah, um, good. But what do you think it was about having a physical ceremony? I've had a counsellor before and I think they said something like, you know, you need to embrace your anxiety and... And that was a bit of a turning point for me because I have anxiety of realising that anxiety is actually my friend because it's sort of there to protect me. It's sort of the over-worrying mother being like, oh, well, if you go outside, this can happen. But then you have to stand on your own two feet and be like, okay, thanks, anxiety, but actually I'm going to go outside. Yeah, you become in dialogue with it. Yeah, but what what do you think it is about having that physical ceremony that helped? Or was it just for the fun of it? Well, one, it was really good fun. Yeah. But two, all of this stuff can get very conceptual. And of course, like as humans, we do love and need, you know, physical embodied storytelling. We need we need those things that put us in those states. And, you know, because I'm an actor by profession, that to me is just normal to be silly like that and to give myself permission. But I think, again, to talk about that embodiment, it was like there was before that ceremony and after that ceremony. And there's something about declaring something out loud and a ritual aspect that has really been stripped out of a lot of our culture. There's almost a sanitising of a lot of rituals where you basically take out these people, put in these people, take off those chair covers, put in those chair covers, you know, where even our weddings, our funerals have you know, there's an element of copy and paste in a lot of them. And I think human beings, I think, yearn for ritual and whatever that looks like. And so I just created one with us and for us because I thought it was just so outrageous. It would it would do something to shift things, you know, which it did. I love that. I'm like imagining some sort of like divorced people on a beach, like marrying themselves ceremony yeah. with you hosting now. <laughs> like we're all wearing amazing outfits. Why not? Why not? I mean, the point is, is why do we only reserve ritual and ceremony and celebration for certain things? We have freedom to to make these rituals for ourselves just because it feels like freedom. And why not? I mean, you know, I can see like loads of people going, yeah, I'm going to do like my own like divorce ritual. Or, yeah. But this doesn't mean voodoo dolls. You know, I'm not supporting like, right, let's, you know, I hate you and more love, more love. Yeah. Lovely, loving rituals. Love yeah. for yourself. I like the sound of that. Yeah. So I want to take you back to, we were talking about your, your parents' separation and divorce and you're all living in this hotel together. Yeah. And then moving forward to your, you say you've had two major relationships in your life, the major relationship before the marriage that you're in. How do you think that kind of fear of betrayal and your parents' divorce affected that relationship? Well, I think my first relationship, you know, was started when I was about 17. And I think 
he was just a, an absolute wonderful person to come along at the right time in terms of feeling su- such a partnership. We called ourselves co-conspirators and we were kind of like into reading William Blake and, you know, philosophy. And we sort of, we were real, he was my best friend's brother, older brother. And I think it felt like us against the world in a really lovely way. We were both from a small town, both wanted to move beyond it. And he didn't have much confidence and he found things quite difficult. And I was kind of like, yeah, come on, you know, we can do stuff. And I think we both supported each other to grow into what we were wanting for ourselves. And and it was a lovely symbiosis in that. The betrayal thing, I think I'm just very, very, my big thing is communication in a relationship. Not that you're not going to fancy people, not that you're not going to feel anything, but we just need to talk about it. And um, yeah, we moved to London when I got into RADA and he was really worried about the move to London and everything. And there was already a like, look, I'm I'm going. Are we going or am I going? So there was already that. And then we moved on to a narrow boat near Camden, which was epic and awesome. But then about a year or two into my time at RADA and everything, it was like we just got engaged and it was feeling like a shift was wanted or needed. And I thought, is that marriage? Is that deepening this commitment? And so we got engaged and then really quickly it became apparent in everything in my body again. No, this is done, actually. So I just remember getting this feeling one day at uh, drama school and it was just like it's finished and so I just said phoned him and just said look I'm gonna stay out with someone tonight stay over at someone's house but can we talk tomorrow we met up and the first thing I said was I'm finished with this this is done and the first thing he said was okay and then we went through all of the stuff that you do 24 hours of, like sobbing and not sleeping and crying and that is sobbing and more sobbing and uh we sort of worked out how to how to part really. And you say that you felt it in your body. How does that physically manifest? What sort of feeling? For me, it's like a sense of, it's quite hard to describe. It's not like brain chatter. It's almost like a full body knowing, like a this way or that way. It was almost like a sinking feeling, like a, oh, this doesn't feel energised. It doesn't feel like my whole body's behind it. So when I'm a holy yes, I call them, when I'm a holy yes, it's like my whole body is like, yes, even though my mind might be going like, I don't know if I can or should. My body is like, go, go, go. Yes. But when something feels like off or not in alignment or done or yeah, just not okay. It's almost like a dull feeling in my body or like a dropping sense and just like, ah, no, this isn't a holy yes. Sometimes it's just that. Sometimes it's knowing that it's not a holy yes that's enough. It's funny because I can relate to that. I I used to remember going home like in the pre-breakup and I remember I used to get the train home in the evenings and feel that sinking feeling on the way home. That's the one. And that was even, you know, weeks before, possibly months before the actual breakup. But I think it took me going away, working in LA and then coming back to kind of start listening to it because I had a break. Yeah, but it's scary. It's scary because your body or heart can know something that can be a very, very threatening to your 
life to your sense of stability, security. You know, when our body knows these things, it's no wonder sometimes that we don't want to acknowledge it or listen because there's a lot of other stuff that that implies. I was just speaking to a friend this morning who um, was, I I asked her if I could share this because I knew I was coming on here. I was like, this is perfect. She said that she got a newborn with her partner and she was doing a nappy uh, for the baby and he just kind of came up behind her and proposed to her while she was like mid-nappy change. And she said like, I just knew everything in me was like, no. She was like, in that moment, I couldn't say no because we've got a house together and a baby together. And if I said no in that moment, what would that mean for us? And then she said, also then when they went to get married on the day and everything, and just in the run up, she was like, I don't want to do this. But of course, then there was the pressure of, but everyone's coming and it's happening and da, 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 da. And then it's like, well, then what do you do? Because, you know, then you've got all of that pressure. And now she's courageously in the last little while finished that relationship. And it's like, wow, we were talking about it today about being compassionate with yourself, that it's understandable that even though you knew in your body it was a no, there's a lot of other factors that entangle around that, right? Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, is she okay now? Has <laughs> she left the relationship? Oh, yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing. I mean, incredible, incredibly courageous human, you know? It is interesting, those moments where you feel a little bit off kilter. You know, it's almost like that feeling of like when you eat a piece of meat that is a bit like not quite cooked enough and you're like, a you bit can off. feel it in your stomach and you're like, oh God, is this going to go full diarrhea or are we going to get away with it? Yeah. It's like that. <laughs> is this going to be full disaster zone? Yes, I'm comparing leaving a marriage to food poisoning, um, but it is that like weird feeling. <laughs> and, and, but so often you just dismiss it like nearly food poisoning you're like oh no I'm sure it'll be fine I'll just drink some water or you're like oh no I'm probably just worried about this other thing that isn't this that's it yeah and listening is hard that's it I mean a lot of us have been conditioned to be thrown off our knowing because a lot of particularly like the feminine or particularly embodied knowing and body wisdom or heart wisdom you can't really quantify it sometimes you can't say you know look at this point to this fact or figure or say rationally or intellectually sometimes you just know and a lot of our upbringings, conditionings, you know, is really like, well, if you can't measure it or show it, then it's fine. So a lot of the time we get this other intelligence coming through, heart intelligence, body intelligence, this wisdom. And we often have learned or been taught not to trust that. And one of the big things that I'm here on the planet to do is get people back into their own knowing, get back into trusting themselves and get back into listening to those little whispers and nudges before they have to turn into shouts and screams. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's the ad break. So it's a perfect time to remind you to hit subscribe to be notified about more episodes. You can also leave us a lovely review because honestly, it makes a difference to the chart positions. And one time I was in the charts next to Michelle Obama and I was really thrilled about it. So it'd be nice to do that again. Uh, You can also join in the conversation on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod. We have a website thedivorcesocial.com and you can also join us for our like 90s style divorce chat room experience over on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S and it starts at £2 a month and we all have lovely and awful and amazing chats. See you there. And you've mentioned in passing your spiritual kind of awakening. Yeah, I mean, it was more messy than that. I mean, it was definitely like spiritual crisis. Uh, Well, I was going to say, did you have a period of time, because you're saying about getting back into your knowing and into your body, did you have a period of time where you ignored what your heart was saying? No, I mean, I've been completely intuitive, heart-led, body wisdom-led my whole life. I thought that was normal. But the spiritual crisis essentially was everything you i knew about my identity who i was what i was you know this thing called jessica disintegrated over a process of like a couple of weeks and that meant that i essentially was in touch with what i am underneath all of the identity and then i had to rather painstakingly piece by piece rebuild what comes to be known as Jessica Pidsley that can be described on a podcast sitting in front of you now. Can you talk about what brought that disintegration on? Because I know a lot of people and like I was after my breakup, I felt like I had to find myself again. And I was like, who am I now? I'm outside of this relationship. So I know a breakup or a divorce can bring that feeling on. But what was it for you? For me, uh, the onset of mine was after the birth of my son. I had an amazing empowered uh, hypnobirth absolutely incredible and then after the next few days after that I started to display signs of postpartum psychosis and yeah it was basically three months of nurturing a newborn baby whilst going through the most terrifying and intense uh, psychotic experience I could possibly imagine. Psychosis is a scary word isn't it Mm. And, and you said psychotic there What did that actually mean? Like on a day-to-day basis, what was your experience, if you feel that you can talk about it? Oh, yeah, I love to talk about it. The first thing, when when I first heard the the term uh, postpartum psychosis, it was actually a relief because I've only come to realise later that the 
difference between psychosis and spiritual emergency is the witness element. So when you're in psychosis, there is no watching yourself within it. So you are the experience. You're not separate to it. But with spiritual emergency, uh, Stanislav and Christine Groff have done a lot of work on this in their book, Spiritual Emergency. There is a witness part of you that remains. So you're not fully immersed into the experience. You're watching it, which is also its own kind of scary because you're watching the dissolution uh, happening. But for me, it was, again, presence was a really powerful thing. Humour. I used a lot of humour. I used all my acting skills and and things. I've actually got a TEDx talk, uh, Have the Courage to Birth Your Life, which talks a little bit about the way I used character and things to, to survive it. I understood even in the moment that I was going through something huge and that would shift the whole orientation of my being. And it, and it has. I'm now eight years out of that experience and my whole life trajectory is completely altered. So where were you at that time? Were you married then? Yeah, we had been married for about four years. And this was your first child? Yeah, yeah. What were you experiencing day to day? Because I feel like we understand that new mothers can go into a kind of depression and that's talked about a little bit. But I've never really heard the psychosis element talked about. I felt like... During the birth experience, I went to a level of consciousness that was transcendent. And I felt like I understood why birth and women and all the things related to birthing and bodies and cycles and everything had been oppressed because it is the most powerful thing I've ever encountered. Because there I was birthing, which I had been told anecdotally that would be horrific and awful and I wouldn't be able to do it and this and the other. And there I was just with the power of like breath and relaxation, birthing a baby. And after that, I kind of was like, felt like it had unlocked or unleashed something about a knowing of the power of my body, its wisdom. I think coming off the back of that, I mean, obviously with postpartum psychosis, it's a mix of a lot of things like the chemical aspect of the hormones in your body, the sleep deprivation, potentially genetic predispositions, things like that with postpartum psychosis. But no matter who we ask, no one could actually tell us exactly why or what or how. So once I left the mother and baby unit, it was kind of like you're on your own type feeling. But then I'd had this absolutely earth-shattering, ego-dissolving experience. And I was like, right, back to looking after a baby and I guess I have to work it out myself. So that's what I spent the last near decade doing. What was the spiritual emergency moment and how did spirituality help you through The spiritual aspect of it is understanding that we are not the thoughts and feelings we have. We are the witness consciousness. So what I knew was what the witness aspect is. So in Buddhism, that would be your Buddha nature Uh, in Christianity or in, you know, the teachings of Jesus, it's Christ consciousness. It was an understanding that I wasn't just the mind which is what I'd believed up until that point, that I was who I thought I was. But this experience, the whole thing is spiritual because you understand that you're not just the mind. And so it opens up a whole other dimension of your being. And also that reality as it's 
as it presents through perception is not all there is to reality. So I, I basically saw reality and realised why it's quite a lot for a human being to bear and why we only have what we can manage through our perceptions if that makes any sense whatsoever. I mean, is it wrong that I'm sort of imagining the matrix as you're explaining? No, it's not. No, it's not. (laughs) You realised you were in the matrix. In a way, yeah. Was there a kind of lowest moment during that time? Before I actually had any sleep, they would give me like sedatives that would apparently like knock an elephant out or something. And it just was like, like, it just didn't really do anything. And so while they were sorting out medication and all of that sort of thing, I did get to a point where I just, I was trying to sue the hospital. You know, it was really messy. It was a really messy experience. One of the low points, I guess, was I remember phoning my husband because then he had to leave every night. And basically, I was given drugs that knocked me out. He had to leave because he couldn't stay with me because of visiting hours. My little baby was having to be looked after by someone else because I was basically too drugged to do anything. And I could feel all that happening. And I would just ring Matt and just say, what's the point in me? Like, if I can't look after my own child and if I'm you know just being drugged and whatever what what am I what what is the point of me and that was again another part of the dissolving it's terrifying to not understand really what or who you are I'm sorry you went through that oh I'm delighted (laughs) you're so positive (laughs) about everything (laughs) I mean it's I mean I've been working on it for eight years remember I knew even during the experience it was a profound wake-up I I understood even in the moment. That's why I recorded so much of it, which is in the TEDx talk and stuff and why I would write notes and everything. I I was fascinated because I knew it was it was would change everything. I I just knew. I think talking about kind of spirituality or spiritual emergency or awakening is really interesting on this podcast because I haven't spoken to many people that have used kind of religion or belief to kind of get themselves through whether it's a breakup or a marriage or, or whatever the experience is. And I, I'm actually quite surprised by that because I thought there would be a bit a bit more of it, but maybe people feel like they can't express it. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of it's been really bastardised, you know, a lot of the teachings. And again, that's what I, that was the trajectory that was shifting for me as well, was coming into the wisdom within my own heart and my own connection to divinity, rather than it being through you know, somebody outside of myself that had the authority to tell me what the connection to divinity looks like and is. That's not something that anyone outside of ourself can tell us. And how do you think that connection helps you now in your life? How is it different? What I experienced in that was the love that I am, the witness part, the the love that I am and the love that all beings are. And so now my daily practice, which is my life, is not only embodying the love that I am, but also witnessing it and being with it in in everyone else. And that might sound like a, oh, a really like lovely practice, but it is hardcore spiritual frontline business, because that means looking at all of the stuff that all of your own reactivity, taking radical responsibility for your part in things, you know, lovingly releasing the stories about who other people are and what they've done to you. It's one hell of a ride. One holy ride, I should say. (laughs) And how did you make the decision to become a courage coach? Because I've spoken to a lot of divorce coaches and things like that on the podcast who went through the divorce experience and then 
that's what made them want to help other people. But I guess you had that relationship and that breakup and then you got married and, you know, all the history from your parents' divorce and then with the postpartum psychosis and finding yourself again. After all of that, why did you decide that you wanted to coach people and become a courage coach? Well, in the best possible way, the decision was being worked through me again, living in that intuitive guided way. I got a download to create Full Time Human about a year and a half ago. I still don't really know what it is. I've just been asked to create it in terms of that knowing coming from the heart, like inspiration. And I just received it from that wisdom, that knowing. So I created that. And when I say I was asked to, I just mean like it feels like an instruction from something very deep within me. You know, it doesn't feel like, oh, I really want to do this because quite frankly, I don't know that I'm massively do. I just I'm hearing that that's what I'm here to do. The reason why I'm not a divorce coach or a this coach or a that coach is because I believe that at the root of all things is courage because you can know something but then need courage to put it into action. And even divorce, there is, you can't take that drop out of the ocean. There is so many factors that lead into that relationships with your own parents, relationships with your previous partners or partnerships. You know, in my experience, when you come into a courage coaching container and you start co-creating courage with people, all sorts of stuff comes out that might feel totally unrelated, but it all feeds in. And, you know, I'm here as an embodiment of the divine feminine and to be love on the planet. And courage is love in action. What does that mean? I don't know. It just came out. Um, <laughs> I think I think the point is, is like what, what we've said is someone can get a knowing that I don't want to be in this relationship or I I need something different for my life or I want to start a business or I want to speak on a podcast or I want to be more confident or more out there. Now, having the knowing is one thing. Doing it requires courage. And when I looked at my life when I was when I was hearing that I wanted to do more coaching because I'd been doing it informally for over a decade. I realised what's the trajectory of my life been? And I realised that what it's been over and over again is knowing something and then the discomfort of going through that and transforming. And when I pinpointed what it is that's always made the difference from knowing to transformation, it's always been courage. The courage to listen to the knowing, to trust it, to follow it and to allow the transformation to occur. And I've just been phoenix rising over and over and over again in my life and this is my next current spiritual death it's like i'm being asked now to speak it more to let go of my eye oh you know i've been kind of hermiting for eight years to while i've been working all this through and now i'm being asked from that wisdom to speak it in the world more and more to help people i like it to help them help themselves i think they don't need my help they need their help. You said you're like a phoenix rising from the ashes. And funnily enough, someone said to me the other day that watching me come out of my divorce journey and do all the things I'm doing, I'm like a phoenix rising from the ashes. And I think that's it. It is such a I mean, it makes me think of Harry Potter and Dumbledore's Phoenix because, you know, I write children's books. But I think it is such a nice image of because that is not 
how society normally views divorce and the way you come out of divorce. It isn't how it views anything. It isn't how it views childbirth. It isn't how it views divorce. It isn't how it looks at people with emotions that are difficult, with rage, with anger. We don't have any kind of spiritual container for any of these things. Apart from anything else, it doesn't fit into the consumer model of, here you go, that's your problem, let me sell you that. You know, this is something much vaster holding holding it. We're not as a society particularly encouraged to like rise from the ashes of what we were unless they sell you a fire extinguisher. (laughs) I love that you are called a courage coach because I always say on this podcast, you know, it is so courageous to leave a relationship. It's so hard. And I think we do need parties or weddings on the beach to come out of a, a wedding to yourself because it's so much harder than going into a relationship. Going into a relationship yeah. is like, oh, this is lovely. Yeah. We've got all the oxytocin when you go in. Yeah. When you go in, you've got like all the all that stuff rushing through you, you know, all of that hope and projection of who this person's going to be and what's going to happen. And then, of course, the oxytocin starts to wear out and all of your stuff comes up because being in relationship is like being at the temple spiritual like relationships are a spiritual business because all your edges are smoothed out you meet yourself over and over and over again in relationships and also leaving with love in your heart rather than hatred that's a journey that each person can undertake whereby it doesn't mean that difficult things haven't happened or or there's not been upset or there's not and it's not justified but you know like I love to say would you rather be right or would you rather be free and you know because you are right about those things but what we're interested in is each human being's freedom and their liberation but the the stuff comes up in relationships it's it's bound to it's what it's, it's kind of what it's there to do yeah and I think you saying to me before would you rather be right or would you rather be free I think really helped me let go of quite a lot of anger and like opinions about your relationship because you almost like want to prove like no no Mm. I was the best one in it like I want you to know (laughs) that (laughs) I I won the relationship the the other person is the whole reason it went wrong which is obviously not true yeah but you know but if you if you have faced something like a betrayal like you talked about you know with your parents you want people to know that you weren't the one who did the betrayal because that feels important originally in the beginning. But but yeah, do you want to be right or do you want to be free? And and just that phrase is like, oh no, like I, why I'm holding on to this and that's making me unhappy. You're staying married to yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just freedoms feels really nice. Doesn't it though? <laughs> yeah. Just to loop back round to my parents and their divorce and separation. I've had permission to to share this story because um, I did some coaching with my mum. Now that is next level courage coaching. And we had a session and as we were working on some of this stuff in relation to her relationship to my dad, I, I said to her, because she was about when he left and everything, um, and it was, you know, 27th of December, 1997. And as we were talking, I just said, I just got the intuition to ask, like, was there ever a time when you knew that the relationship was over? And she went, I know the exact day. And I'm like, whoa, okay, tell me more. And she said there'd been a there'd been a storm, so it must have been 1987 because that was when storm dot 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 whatever it was. She said the willow tree had snapped, so that's why it was so vivid in my memory. I was putting out the washing, and we'd had a particularly difficult day. And in myself, a voice came up from me, and it said, "I'll leave him." And I said, 
So, Mum, you left Dad in 1987. And she started laughing. And I swear to you, she didn't stop laughing for about three or four minutes. She was just like, oh, my goodness, I left him. I left him. And this narrative of 20 years that he left her suddenly in that moment became transformed. And she's been different ever since because she suddenly took her part in the dissolution of a relationship and saying that was when I decided I didn't want to be in this. And then 10 years later, he left. So fascinating that that's what I mean about memories being transient. She's rewritten that story, which had haunted her for so long. And, you know, it's incredible watching your mum liberate like that. I mean, that that is courage, coaching your mum. <laughs> I, I don't think I have the courage to do, ever do that with my mum. No, I mean, we just did two sessions. We, we heard that our relationship needed to come on to an I-thou, which is meeting adult to adult. And we've been through so much this last sort of 10 years of our, with me becoming an adult and that being really tricky for our relationship. And a part of us resetting into adult to adult, uh, it just felt really powerful to meet in that space, which was co-created and equal. And we just did two and it was really powerful. And yeah, things have been very, very different since we did that. Do you have any advice for anyone listening who's in that really difficult time where they feel at their lowest? You know, maybe like that moment where you called Matt and said, is there any point in me? You know, any, maybe not advice, but words of wisdom or words of courage to encourage their courage? Yeah, I think I think the first thing is being ultimately compassionate about the situation and that it's really hard and really doing things that feel loving for yourself in the first instance. You know, I'm always a big fan of any kind of practice or, or anything that's to do with loving kindness or compassion for self. You know, places like Insight Timer do a lot of uh, meditations and things like that that you can just listen to. And sometimes it just helps just to to be with yourself in that way. Going for walks, you know, anything where you just feel yourself in your body and and with yourself. And the only way out is through. And I think that's something that, again, culturally, we want to fix all this stuff and get to the place where we're not experiencing it and it's done. And I know from just going through depressions and psychosis and, you know, spiritual emergency and relationship finishings and, you know, family breakdowns and everything. I just, I know that it's all the stuff that is alchemy for liberation. Oh, you were having such a great emotional moment and then the dog barked. Yeah, but uh, do you know the reason why I think that shouldn't be cut out is because what Custard there has embodied and and actually bought as it's in the teachings that only animals can do is exactly the point. We want it to be this sort of perfect thing where, you know, that where life is this smooth ride where nothing interrupts and nothing happens. But the fact that stuff happens, how we relate to the stuff that actually happens is everything, right? That's reality. Custard just barking then, that's reality. And that is just a perfect metaphor for exactly what we're talking about, which is often so much of the pain comes from us wanting it to be different than it is. And that's where so much human suffering is born. Custard ruining so many Zoom meetings is meant is meant to be. <laughs> well, in in a beautiful way, whether or not it's meant to be, it is. 
So that's the lovely thing about the way I relate to my life is we can create so much pain for ourselves by saying, I don't want it to be like this. Whereas actually the moment where we understand this is what's happening, then there is a there is a presence and a and a peacefulness in that even if it's really, really messy. I love that. Well, we'll keep it. We'll keep custard barking in. (laughs) I would love that. I mean, I would love our podcast to actually have reality, you know, making itself known. Always. That's my vibe of a podcast. I'm not not into this polished stuff. Dog barking and all. You're a leader of that new way as well. That's why. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been great to chat utter delight i feel intensely vulnerable now which is perfect (laughs) well hopefully you're going to go and do something lovely for yourself now oh yeah where can people find you online and find your ted talk and get in touch if they want to be courage coached oh lovely so uh they can have a look at my website which is www.fulltimehuman.co.uk and that really is a florilegium of becoming it's a place where i want to give as much as people can connect with me. So there's also some messy sacred meditations on there, articles and videos about different aspects of the human condition. And they can follow me on Instagram at fulltimehumandivine and also just start conversations. You know, I, I, that's, that's what I'm, I'm hearing I'm here to do is to, to be with people as they courageously, you know, become the person that they're here to be. So that's what I love to do. Oh, and the TEDx talk is have the courage to birth your life. Amazing. Google it, put it on YouTube and you'll get it. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much. Love you. Yay. Love you too. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on 
Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.